We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com as well. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is a Friday episode, means we're back, and it is good to be here. Yeah, it's always great to be back, and listeners who follow us on social media know that you got to take in your very first game at Lambeau Field on Monday, so I'm dying to ask you, how did it go? (laughs) Dude, it was so great. Um, Just an incredible experience all around. Uh, I got into Green Bay plenty early, so we could make sure to take in the whole experience. Uh, So huge thank you to Andrew for giving me a proper tour of the area, Uh, but we checked out some of the best places around Lambeau. I got a burger and cheese curds at Kroll's, and then about 45 minutes before kickoff, I made Andrew sit out in the cold, uh, eat some mac and cheese, just so we could take in the pregame warm-ups out there in the freezing cold temperatures. But even apart from the game itself, which was absolutely great, it was amazing uh, just to be there and experience it all and take it all in, and I will definitely remember that for a long time. Uh, I would say my one regret is that at one point I did start to cheer when the offense was on the field, which I quickly corrected because I think Andrew was going to hit me. Uh, But I I got caught up in the moment just a little bit with that. We all make mistakes. 
it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's it's it, like honestly, it's a privilege to get to share the Lambo mystique with anyone. And as a side note, we did swing by City Stadium too. So the previous home of the Packers before Lambo. Um, but it was especially pretty cool to meet Kyle in person, and it kind of felt like we've known each other for a long time. For instance, we already started a few of our own inside jokes, and one that I promised to break out for uh, at M- NBDNick05, Nick, uh, on Twitter, <laughs> was that when Alan Lazard makes a catch, he, I, I would imagine, or at least we think, that he's going to stare into a defensive back's soul and make the, an alien lizard noise like... That's it. <laughs> and that is exactly what was happening in the stands there at Lambeau Field, at least in our section, our very small section, just exactly where we were sitting. But it was a it was a great time. And at the beginning of the game, Andrew and I were very curious as to why Alan Lazard was named a captain. Um, in this game and obviously he showed us all why later in the game and we had to eat our words on that one Uh, but just an incredible performance from Lazard and obviously a great game in which he did gain some extra nicknames as well yeah and one one more thing that I just wanted to interject at some point on Friday we are going to post a trivia question about this very episode and the first person to respond with the correct answer is going to get a pack a day t-shirt and this isn't just any t-shirt It was at the game, and don't worry, neither one of us wore it, but (laughs) we did get it in the background of the post-game ESPN interview with the Smith brothers, and then they apparently didn't bother to air it. So it was almost (laughs) a famous t-shirt, but instead it'll just be a regular pack-a-day t-shirt, which is still pretty darn cool. That is really, really true. We were really excited, and it was fun to get down there and be so close to the Smith brothers and see their energy in that interview, which I thought looked like a pretty good interview. So I don't know why ESPN didn't think it was worth showing, but uh, I did want to ask you just another question or so before we move on from Monday's game. And they say that time heals all things, Andrew. Uh, But during the game, I'm pretty sure I remember you calling for the immediate release of Darius Shepard. How are you feeling about that one right now? I, I think you might have been mistaken. Maybe the crowd was a little too loud. I think I think the exact thing I said was, I am calling for Darius Shepard's head. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it. I'm pretty sure I was joking about that. Oh, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, sometimes, even though I consider myself a pretty level-headed fan, I'm prone to some spur-of-the-moment idiocy. <laughs> and then I tweeted about how I would actually give Shepard a pass. And I used the word pass, and maybe that's too strong. Um, And Aaron Nagler commented, like, almost immediately. And then my Wednesday was ruined. Full-on Packers Twitter came rushing towards me like a water from a broken dam. There were a lot of people spitting a certain type of vitriol about Darius Shepard that I just simply do not understand. And I'm not sure how people like Aaron Nagler deal with this stuff on a daily basis because it got pretty out of hand. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned that you said that you gave Darius Shepard a pass. I will just say, as much as I'm excited to give the man some grace in this, there was someone else who tried to give him a pass in the game on Monday night, and that didn't go so well. So we'll we'll just see going forward if uh, Darius Shepard can uh, maybe haul in some future passes uh, going forward and change the MO right now around him. But uh, it certainly does take a certain kind of patience 
and a kind of crazy to engage the disgruntled fan base on social media. And Aaron Nagler, as you mentioned, certainly does his fair share of this. But good for you, Andrew, in coming around and giving out a little bit of grace to Darius Shepard. Uh, obviously, Shepard is a young player, and all young players make mistakes. But this was certainly not the breakout game that he was hoping for or fans were hoping for. Uh, but I'm with Andrew here. In, in the emotion of the moment, it was super tempting to just want to uh, just kind of get him out of the game and move on from, from Shepard and his responsibilities out there, uh, especially after that tip pass for the interception. But uh, I think we would have all missed out on a lot of good things if we'd simply cut ties with players when they made mistakes. Uh, Devontae Adams certainly comes to mind in uh, his early years with all the drops. We never would have experienced peak Devontae Adams if we'd moved on from that. So, Yeah, and, and one thing, and we definitely are going to move on to Sunday's game pretty quickly, but I, I did want to say that one of the things that I heard over and over after I made that tweet was a lot of fans saying, number one, that I shouldn't be excusing a player for slipping on the field because supposedly the sideline reporter said the field conditions were good. And I don't know if you can speak to this a little bit, Kyle, but I noticed players slipping all over the place. Uh, offensive lineman Matt Stafford slipped when he tried to set once. Receivers were falling down. Um, so I don't know that that was necessarily um, something that came across from the TV broadcast, but it, in person it did seem like there were some field condition obstacles. Yeah, it definitely did. There were multiple plays where it looked like receivers were trying to adjust and having a hard time, defensive backs, and even some of the offensive linemen kind of like you're not only on skates because of the turf, but it looked like that there was some extra moments where the offensive linemen were on skates on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we saw Matt Stafford uh, with his epic, you know, fall there in the, in the first half as well. So definitely could have played a factor as far as the field conditions go. And, and the other thing that I said was Aaron Rodgers threw an inaccurate pass to uh, Shepard on that play. And what I meant by that wasn't that it was a bad throw. Obviously, it ended up hitting him in the face mask. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, it, it, it's a ball you would expect an NFL wide receiver to catch. But the fact of the matter is Darius Shepard had to stop his momentum because the ball wasn't thrown to the sideline and there wasn't a defender there. So it wasn't intentional. It was a missed pass. And when you have been as good historically as number 12 has been, I think you set yourself for that expectation. I know Aaron Rodgers said that that wasn't a good ball placement. Um, and, and a lot of people think he's just, you know, kind of taking the blame because he's a leader on the team. But I really do think that that, that was a mistake throw. Now, all that being said, of course it's a mistake. Darius Shepard, needs to make that play but I don't think it's worth cutting a guy because he had a fumble in a game and then you know he had an unlucky bounce off of his face mask that just happened to land in a defender's hands there were plenty of drops to go around that wasn't the issue the fact is it, it was a interception on a freak bounce and you know fortunately it didn't come back to haunt them yeah absolutely and anytime like if you've ever like fallen that way it seemed like he was um you know kind of falling backwards trying to adjust to the ball and the ball is still rising then uh, towards his mask and that's an awkward like way to kind of adjust and so it's not to make an excuse you want him to make the play um but it looks simple you want him to make the catch if it's coming to his face uh, but that is a really difficult 
catch to make when you're battling physics like that to try to adjust the ball. But uh, Monday was really, really fun. We got the win. Uh, great game all around. We got to see Mason Crosby doing some Lambo leaps. So we got the controversial calls from the referees. Uh, but more than anything else, we did get that win. We went to 5-1 and one overall, 3-0 and oh in the NFC North. Uh, but today, we want to turn our attention to Week 7 and the key matchups in this week's game against the Oakland Raiders. And if you've been listening to Andrew and I on Fridays, you know that key matchups and X-Factors has been the theme of many of our shows. And so we're going to keep doing this because every game script is so different depending on the matchups. And so uh, we know the Packers have the Oakland Raiders this week. And so let's go ahead and start by looking at some of these matchups that the Packers offense, let's start there, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on this week as they prepare for John Gruden and his Raiders. Yeah, so the matchup that I wanted to identify was Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis against the Raiders linebackers. So I have a quick question for you, Kyle. Which one of these three names was my waiter at dinner last night, and which two are Raiders starting linebackers? We have Tahir Whitehead, Justin Phillips, or Nicholas Morrow? Um, I mean, I know Tahir Whitehead is a is a linebacker, so I'm gonna go with Nicholas Morrow. Sounds like he might serve food in a restaurant, maybe. Trick trick question. They're actually all three starters in Oakland. Nice, nice. I mean, yeah, I too have heard of Tahir Whitehead, so good job. We know one of them. But if you <laughs> want to take advantage of any linebacker group in the league, this should be the one. So I'm on record as saying that Jimmy Graham is going to win a game for Green Bay at some point this season. And why not this Sunday? He's going to have plenty of opportunities. And you and I were joking that we haven't seen Jimmy break a tackle for two seasons. Uh, and he may not actually have to this Sunday because if <laughs> Packers can pull those inexperienced linebackers up with play action, Graham and Lewis should be able to get behind them. And I really liked what I saw on Monday when Lafleur was using Graham to block and Lewis releasing on a few plays. The difficulty in predicting what this offense will do, regardless of the personnel, has to be very frustrating to prepare for. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm excited to see if that is the case. Um, I was actually going to be really concerned if you knew the last name of your waiter from last night. So, uh, But to be fair, uh, you made a really good point about tight ends and, and linebackers and that combination. So it uh, certainly looks like there's a lot to like about the Packers tight end and that matchup with the Raiders linebackers uh, this week. I'm expecting the Packers offensive tackles to have a huge game on Sunday. And it might sound strange to say that because you don't often look at offensive linemen and give them credit for dominant performances. We often look at quarterbacks or running backs and give them the praise for what was really a dominant day um, and a dominant day of play from the offensive line. But the Packers tackles have had some tough matchups early this season. And Brian Balaga has played some especially good games considering his matchups with guys like Khalil Mack and Demarcus Lawrence and others. But this is the first time this season that I'm aware of at the moment that the Packers tackles face a pretty soft pass rushing group. The Raiders have four defensive ends who have played over 100 snaps. So that's what we're dealing with here. According to Pro Football Focus, none of them rank in the top 75 edge rushers in the NFL. Not a very good group. Now, help me with this name, Andrew, if I get this wrong. Benson Mayoa. I don't know. If I believe that is correct. All right. Yep. He has four and a half sacks for them and he grades out pretty well, but he's a part-time player for them. So they'll bring him on in some obvious pass rushing situations and the Packers will need to keep an eye on him. Um, 
And then, of course, they have first-round pick Cleveland Farrell, who obviously has talent. But it's really hard for me to see this group having much success against David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga when only four teams in the NFL have less sacks than the Oakland Raiders. And so I think Sunday we're going to see a very happy Aaron Rodgers with a ton of time to throw, which is a big deal, especially if we go another game without Devontae Adams and uh, the rest of this really beat-up wide receiver core. Yeah, and you had identified that the edge rushers of the Lions weren't as strong as some of their previous competition, and I thought that played a massive role in the Packers' ability to win, and they're taking an even bigger step down with the Raiders. The the Lions, you could argue, have at least one really top-notch edge rusher in Trey Flowers, and when he's not sticking his hand into the neck of the offensive tackle, uh, you know, he's a pretty effective pass rusher. And you can talk about hands to the face until you're blue in the face, but there were quite a few plays where Rodgers had a ton of time to throw with a clean pocket and was able to go through multiple progressions and get the ball to his third or fourth read for a nice gain. And the Raiders' pass rush, like I said, it's even worse than the Lions. So that is going to be great news with a lineup that is going to need some time to get open. Yeah, absolutely. And if you remember this, I live in Michigan. So coming home with the W and then talking about uh, all the all the penalties with Lions fans has been uh, something to navigate with a little bit of grace this week to maintain some relationships over here. Uh, but it's been been a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and look at some matchups on the defensive side of things. Uh, what pieces of this uh, Oakland offense do you think Green Bay is going to need to pay attention to? And what matchups stick out when you look at the Packers defense? Yeah, the one that I identified right away was Blake Martinez versus Joshua Jacobs. Jacobs is coming into this game with 430 rushing yards at a 4.9 yard per rush clip. The Bears didn't seem like they could slow down the Raiders rushing attack in London, and it is going to be a major challenge for Green Bay to do so. Part of the formula is the Raiders have a really good run-blocking offensive line. Colton Miller is an up-and-coming left tackle. You have Richie Incognito and Gabe Jackson at guard, Rodney Hudson at center, and then the mammoth Trent Brown at right tackle. So they are able to push most defensive lines around. Yeah, I did notice that it looks like the Raiders' O-line looks pretty solid, and so stopping Josh Jacobs is going to be Huge. But for me, the matchup I'm watching in this one is Raiders tight end Darren Waller versus the Packers linebackers and safeties. The Packers cornerbacks match up pretty well, I think, with the Raiders receivers, and they don't really scare you. And it helps that Trevor Davis practice against these Packers DBs for years. And so they have a pretty good feel for how to defend him. Uh, But the one guy that I think could give Green Bay some trouble in the passing game is tight end Darren Waller. Waller is currently graded as a top 10 tight end in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, and he catches absolutely everything. His 88% catch rate is the second highest in the NFL, and he leads the NFL in catches among tight ends. Waller also ranks in the top 10 in yards after the catch. And so with a player like that, catching everything and making plays after the catch. The Raiders are obviously feeding Waller uh, this season so far, and you would expect that that would continue on Sunday as well. And as good as the Packers' defense has been, they have the most question marks at linebacker and safety, uh, the positions primarily responsible for covering the tight end, of course. And so I think how the Packers plan to limit Waller and his impact on Sunday is going to be a really key matchup in this game. Yeah, and that's a much richer Darren Waller that you're talking about. 
as he just signed a big contract extension with the Oakland Raiders. And he is a really fascinating fascinating story, if people don't know. He was a wide receiver in college at Georgia Tech, which actually brings me to um, the fact that Tech has moved into the 21st century, finally, in 2019. But they have somehow produced the likes of Kelvin Johnson, Demarius Thomas, Stephen Hill, who is a second-round pick, I think, of the Jets, and then Waller as NFL wide receivers, despite running the triple option, and those guys never getting any opportunities to catch the ball in college. And Waller, like the rest of those players, was a really strong blocker because he had to be. And so teams saw an ability for him to change to the tight end position. And Waller has been very open about having a drug addiction earlier in, in his career. So if you watch Hard Knocks this year, and kudos to any of you who actually made it all the way through what I consider to be the most boring season of Hard Knocks ever, <laughs> Waller talked about being high at practice with the Baltimore Ravens. And then he was out of the league. But he got his life together and got a second chance at football with the Raiders, and he has absolutely run with it. So he's definitely an easy guy to root for, but maybe not this week. Uh, so it, it, you mentioned it's going to be interesting to see how Green Bay tries to match up with him. You know, are they going to use a corner? Could we see maybe even some Josh Jackson actually getting defensive snaps? Maybe Oren Burks is going to be more involved in the defense than he has been. In any case, Darren Waller seems to be the number one threat in the receiving against a pretty stout Mike Pettin unit. Yeah, it definitely is going to be interesting to see how the Packers do cover Waller. And Josh Jackson would be really interesting. Obviously, we haven't seen him contribute much lately. And I've kind of wondered if maybe the Packers are stashing Josh Jackson as a part of a potential trade offer that they're maybe considering or something like that. It's just as interesting that they haven't used him because he's such a talented player and how he fits this defense. So we'll have to wait and see there what the future holds for Josh Jackson. Uh, but we've taken a look at some of the matchups that are going to play a huge role in how this game plays out Sunday afternoon. But let's talk about some X factors. Someone that we think will play a huge role in the game, but maybe on the surface we wouldn't expect it. Uh, last week, you'd have to say that was definitely Alan Lazard. And so, Andrew, who is this week's Alan Lazard? Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. I got to stop doing it. Um, I don't think I'm allowed to call Aaron Jones an X Factor, but I'm going to do it anyways. Nice. It, it's an interesting situation. You see Jones get the majority of the run against a Cowboys team who have a very athletic linebacking crew because Jones' speed allowed them to stretch, uh, run stretch plays and the Packers' offense aligned to reach the smaller, quicker linebackers. And then you flip to Monday and the Lions' bigger, stouter line, and they kept it simple with more straight-ahead runs with Jamal Williams. Well, the Raiders are more similar to the Cowboys, except, you know, without all the talent at at linebacker. So I, I think Jones could be back in the driver's seat. It, it will be frustrating to fantasy owners, but I think the game plan is going to change from week to week between the two. And it has to be intriguing for Matt LaFleur to watch his old boss, Kyle Shanahan, utilizing three and four running backs in San Francisco really effectively. So, you know, outside of just expecting a big week from Aaron Jones, I would expect the Packers to make another investment at running back in the draft this upcoming season. Yeah, Off definitely. Season. It will be interesting to see what the Packers' future is. Obviously, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are both from the same draft class, and so they'll have to make some decisions there around the same time and see what the future of the running back position is as well. But I, as well, would expect Aaron Jones to be someone that gets back in the driver's seat and has a good week this week. And I do have him in three of my fantasy leagues, so I'd be okay with that 
personally as well. But for my X-Factor player, I'm going to go out on the limb here, and I might take some criticism for this, but I think Darius Shepard might be our X-Factor player this week. And I know that seems absolutely crazy after last week, but we've seen crazier things happen in the past. But this is why I'm going to say this. First, I think we have seen enough Shepard in the past to know that there's more to his game than what we saw on Monday. Second, I think he's going to be motivated to come out and turn things around with a better performance. And Devontae Adams said at his locker this week that that's the kind of guy Shepard is. He's not embarrassed people are talking bad about him. He's frustrated that he let his team down. And he's going to have his head on right to come out and play better. Uh, finally, the we, we need receivers. We need someone to step up because we just don't have any that are healthy right now. And the Packers receivers that aren't hurt, the list of that is just pretty dang short. So guys like Lazard are going to have to come in and step up. But there's room for someone like Shepard to definitely come back and prove his worth. And I think that there's a chance that he does that on Sunday in some kind of a meaningful way. Yeah, I really like that. That that would be an excellent story, and so we'll see. Certainly, he's going to have to be involved in the offense, and um, you know, you'd expect a big uh, improvement in the special teams area in actually fielding the kicks and and hopefully showing a little bit more quickness and acceleration there uh, when he does have the ball in his hands. And then, you know, and it, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, I wonder if the field conditions maybe had a little bit to do with that because he looks tentative in his in his steps. You'd certainly like to see him make a better play on the punt that he fumbled. But I, I think, you know, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum. He brings a skill set to this wide receiving room that they just do not have. And especially now with the injuries, somebody has to step up um, and and we'll, we'll see who that is. Uh, a person who could potentially do that in the future, and I, I would think that he's going to have a really hard time stepping into that role is newly acquired wide receiver Ryan Grant. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that acquisition? Well, absolutely. You know, like the Packers have kind of been in a place where they need to explore adding something at wide receiver because of all the injuries and the question marks of just the guys that they thought might be stepping up that haven't really panned out to the extent that they would, would hope that, you know, we've talked about um, Geronimo Allison. You know, I, I gave him credit for having these sure hands. And then it seems like since I made that comment and Ross Uglum pointed out, that he actually has a pretty high drop rate that we've seen a lot of drops. So we're looking for somebody else. It looks like Brian Gutekunst is looking for somebody else. And so Ryan Grant steps into the fold here. Um, what I've read and what I know of Ryan Grant, it sounds like he's a guy who looks like he might be a kind of a slot kind of player, but he's actually played the majority of his snaps from the outside in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits into this offense and how quickly he can come in and, and give uh, some kind of a consistent um, contribution. But the one thing that Matt LaFleur did have to say about Ryan Grant is that he is a very polished route runner. And that's something that we know that Aaron Rodgers values. And so hopefully that kind of accelerates his adjustment here in Green Bay. Yeah. And I, Dusty Evely is the one that always points out Geronimo Ellison's hands, but oh, my bad. <laughs> Ross, Ross Uglum did have um, a lot of good insight on Ryan Grant's acquisition. And, and I thought one of the things that he pointed out really well is people think of Ryan Grant as possession receiver, but he, he actually has a lot of big plays uh, in his past. And so that may be because of that route running that you're talking about, that, that precision. And, you know, if, if you have the ability to separate and get open, um, especially from the outside, you have just as, as much likelihood of making a big play as some of the speed demons who maybe don't run as good of routes.
so we had some other news that just popped up here a little while ago. It's a Thursday night as we're recording this, and we saw that Pat Mahomes looks like he's gone out with an injury in the Thursday night game. Obviously, the Packers play uh, the Chiefs, and I guess that would be the Week 8 matchup, right, Andrew? So um, what are your thoughts on uh, Pat Mahomes and that injury? That would be a big deal for the NFL and for the Chiefs. Yeah, it looked really bad. I was watching the game right before I came to record the podcast, and it wasn't good. They they were reaching for his knee. I you know I don't know that you can really trust people on Twitter that are trying to diagnose injuries based on what they're seeing. But there were some um, actual medical professionals saying that it did look like they had popped his kneecap back in place on the field, and so those types of injuries they can actually be. Um, not super severe if there's no ligament damage. And so you can play with a brace if you can manage the pain within a few weeks. But if there is ligament damage, we're talking long term. So, you know, that's it, it doesn't look like Mahomes is going to be able to play against Green Bay, which I think, you know, some casual fans may be excited about. But it, it just it robs you of the enjoyment of seeing kind of an all-time great quarterback matchup. You see some of the same things that you saw in a young Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. He's so exciting. He's so good for the league. And, you know, it, it stinks when those kind of things happen. Yeah, it's definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on as Packers fans going into that matchup. But as Andrew said, it's not something that you hope for uh, necessarily at all. You want the best for Pat Mahomes. And for the sake of the competition, uh, good teams have to beat good teams. And I think that that's kind of what this comes down to. You don't hope for softer matchups or you know injuries to kind of help you along your way. You want to be able to win through the schedule as it is. So uh, hope the best for Pat Mahomes. Hopefully it's not too serious. But uh, Andrew, one last one I'm going to pitch your way here. Uh, Trey Carson was picked up by the Detroit Lions today um, off of waivers from the Packers. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trey Carson leaving the Packers for the Lions? Uh, well, I don't know a lot about Trey Carson as a person. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He's not a <laughs> dynamic running back, and and I guess that was the problem. He gave a, he, he had a couple of nice runs when he had to fill in, but he, he's not an explosive player, and so I don't know. Um, that, you know, anything about Trey Carson is not replaceable at this point. The reason I asked you that, I just found it comical that I saw some some Lions fans who have obviously been very chippy all week, you know, um, about unspoken things that happen in the game and those kinds of things. And they, I saw a couple get on Twitter today and we're just kind of trolling Packers fans for uh, Brian Gutekunst's inability to hide a running back in the transaction, uh, the transaction of getting uh, Ryan Grant and just thinking that they had scooped up this running back and just at Brian Gutekunst's lack of discretion. And I just thought it was really funny because Trey Carson's a guy and, you know, we wish him the best, but not someone that's going to significantly alter that running back room going forward. I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, I will say this though, when it comes to roster turnover and we've all been incredibly impressed with Brian Gutekunst's ability to continually flip roster positions, 50, 51, 52 and 53, and really work to get the best players that he can. And, and a lot of the contributors on this year's teams were guys that were acquired in, in that way during the last year. But we didn't think the trade of Trevor Davis was going to be a big deal. And then we see this landslide of wide receiver injuries. 
the Packers after Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams don't have another running back they can trust, right? Because it doesn't seem like Dexter Williams is going to be able to get on the field this year for whatever reason. Maybe it's his pass blocking. Maybe it's some other things. And I know they picked up another practice squad running back, but there is the potential that Trey Carson could be a loss that you look at later on if there were to be an injury to one of those two running backs. Yeah, absolutely. And then Kenyon Drake could always factor in. I don't know that the Packers should give up a lot. I've seen a lot of people say that it'd be hard to imagine the Packers being the highest bidder, especially considering the strength of their running back position right now and the way that the starters are playing. But uh, definitely have heard, you know, the buzz that uh, Drake is maybe available with uh, with the Miami Dolphins. So we'll see going forward. But um, maybe I am underestimating the loss of Trey Carson here. I don't know. Well, I, and I wouldn't say that because there's there's always turnover in in running backs in the NFL. Samaje Pirine was just released by the Bengals, who's a pretty good special teams player and somebody that you think could pinch hit for a week if if you needed to. Um, there are going to be some veterans available on the trade block. Um, you know, I'm not saying Adrian Peterson's going to come to Green Bay, but <laughs> he, he doesn't make sense on a Washington team that's going nowhere, and he likely will be dealt. So there are going to be some some options available out there on the market. So something definitely to keep an eye on. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to go out and follow us. If you want to crack at that sweet, sweet Packaday t-shirt, please also follow at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jason and Mark with an update on the injury report for Sunday's game. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week, and we'll be breaking down the key matchups and X factors before the Week 8 matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.